Welcome to From Duck Till Dark, Outside the Marvel Studios. An audio celebration of the films based on Marvel Comics characters released before and during the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Enough said. Face front, true believers. This is George Soroy, and welcome to the latest episode of From Duck Till Dark, Outside the Marvel Studios, a celebration of all of the Marvel movies that came out in theaters before and during the run of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And here we are in 2014, just two years after The Amazing Spider-Man reached the big screen. And this was Spider-Man's fourth time in the theaters. It's amazing how with this character, there were so many years of development, so many different attempts to get this character right. And even working with people like Menachem Golan of Canon Films, who did not understand that this was not a horror film, not a werewolf movie where someone becomes a spider creature at night. It's gone through so much and quite a few ups and downs with the downs really reserved for Spider-Man 3. And it turns out that when The Amazing Spider-Man, the reboot of this series, came out in 2012, despite the fact that it was going up against both The Avengers and The Dark Knight Rises, it wound up doing very, very well at the box office. It wound up bringing in, if I'm not mistaken, over $800 million, which is that's a great number. If it weren't dealing with the juggernauts of Avengers and Dark Knight Rises, it probably would have done even more. Likely would have done enough to be the top box office champion for 2012. But that wound up not being the case. Um, and there were quite a few mixed reviews with this one. Basically, just the fact that it was treading over very familiar ground and a lot of a lot of what was happening in like the middle part really, really dragged. And so there was a need over in so over at Sony to inject some additional additional action into this series. Some extra adrenaline, if you will. And it and adrenaline is what we got in the sequel, which in my opinion, probably has the worst out of all of them, which is simply The Amazing Spider-Man 2. <sighs> There's something about that that just feels off for me. Just slapping a two on there. It feels like it should be called, and this, this may be nitpicking, but for me, it would read better if it said The Amazing Spider-Man Part 2. And that would just really kind of assist with differentiating these movies from the Tobey Maguire, Sam Raimi movies that came before it. Back then, it was very simple. Spider-Man, Spider-Man 2, Spider-Man 3. Fine. That works just fine. And then we have The Amazing Spider-Man, which sounds great. But then The Amazing Spider-Man 2 just sound, sounds off. It sounds off to me. And so I feel like it would it would have behooved the movie to have it called The Amazing Spider-Man Part 2. Slapping a two on there, it just feels like a corporate decision. And 
there were quite a few corporate decisions that were made in this one because, like I said, there was a need to inject some additional adrenaline into this one, but it feels like a classic case of overcorrection. This is a movie that was just stuffed with action from start to finish and with some emotional scenes kind of peppered in there to keep the story going, but it feels like there was pulled in way too many directions this time. And granted, that's part of his shtick, but you see that played in a much better fashion in Spider-Man 2. With The Amazing Spider-Man 2, you have him dealing with villains such as the Rhino. You have Paul Giamatti's uh, character, which would eventually become the Rhino, that kind of bookends the uh, bookends the movie. And you also have you have you also have Peter Parker really kind of dealing with the guilt of keeping Gwen Stacy involved in all of this. Mind you, like this was a big plus I thought with both the Amazing Spider-Man one and two is bringing in Dennis Leary as as Captain Stacy, Gwen's fa uh, father. And because of the way that he dies in the first film, he says whatever he is, keep Gwen out of this. And basically just saying that if you're going to continue on this road, you cannot continue it with my daughter. And totally understand that. And what it's doing is it's adding an extra layer of guilt to Peter by keeping her around. Like he can't resist wanting to, you know, be with her, but he's also kind of torn with by the responsibilities that he has as Spider-Man. Um so there's quite a bit that goes on in this one. It, it wound up being a lot of fun. I really did enjoy this one. I feel like there is there is the extra adrenaline that's needed. I feel like Andrew Garfield is much more comfortable in this role now, the second time around. I feel like his Peter Parker has improved and his Spider-Man is awesome. I love his Spider-Man. And uh, big kudos to Hans Zimmer for coming in and giving a really awesome score, which was a vast improvement over what was done in the 2012 movie. And I also have to give a lot of kudos to Emma Stone for the role of Gwen Stacy. I think she was terrific and the chemistry between her and Andrew was undeniable. It helps that they were dealing, they were going through a an off-camera relationship at the time. So they meshed so well together and it just felt like it was a good pairing between the two of them. Dane DeHaan as Harry Osborn was decent. I feel like he was, there was room for more with him. But at the same time, you know, like I liked that he embraced the role that he was, that he was, do, that he was given, especially when he made the turn into the Green Goblin. I would have liked to see, Jamie Foxx's Electro reminded me quite a bit of the, Edward Nigma in Batman Forever before he became the Riddler. That whole part with Jamie Foxx's Max. And <clears throat> I feel like it was good. I feel like he did a decent job and he was definitely someone who was embracing the power that he was given after a little while. I feel like uh, once he was incapacitated and everything, like he really kind of allowed that rage in him to really kind of fester and eat away at him. Um, but at the same time, like the whole scene in Times Square with him, like fully realized as Electro, awesome, great scene, definitely the best scene in the whole movie. And it's backed up by uh, what Han, <clears throat> it's backed up by what Hans Zimmer calls the Electro Suite. And 
it's such a cool piece of music. It's so good. And it's got a great hook that that's going to stay in your head. So yeah, I, I'm, I'm a fan of this one. Yeah, I was thinking before that it might've been just like a little bit too stuffed, but then like the more I think about it, I feel like it may have been just right. I think it was able to just kind of thread that needle. It still wasn't quite as good overall as Spider-Man from 2002 or Spider-Man 2 from 2004, but it does deserve to be in in the conversation. And so overall, I would say this would come in third out of fifth. This would come in third out of five out, out of... This would come in third, I would say, out of the five Spider-Man movies. And I am curious to know your feedback for things. Oh, and of course, there is what, uh, what Sony was was really banking on. And this was the the teasing of what would basically be a Sinister Six spinoff. That's, that was the plan originally. There were going to be a couple more sequels for Spider-Man, for The Amazing Spider-Man. And then there were also going to be some spinoffs, mainly led by Venom. But uh, there was, there, they showed like all different... Um, all different tools done by different to be used by different people that would become the Sinister Six. Like you get to see the 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 appendages for Doctor Octopus. You see the wings for the Vulture. A couple others like like that. It was it was a fun little nugget right at the very end. But at the same time, because the box office wound up being the lowest out of all of them, out of all five Spider-Man movies, all those plans that they had wound up being scrapped and eventually repurposed once they were able to make the deal with Marvel Studios to bring Spider-Man rightfully into the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And that's when we get the start of the Tom Holland era, where we are right now. So it's going to be really interesting to see where this character goes from here, especially with, with No Way Home, incorporating elements of both the Tobey Maguire, Sam Raimi movies, and the Andrew Garfield, Mark Webb movies. It's going to be a really interesting December, and I look forward to your feedback on how you've been in, hopefully enjoying this series as we go. Um, and tomorrow, we got one hell of an entry where, where the various eras of the X-Men all collide into one pretty damn good epic. And, all, and in, later on, in this year, in 2014, we're going to get one that was definitely worth the wait. So until tomorrow, this is George Soroy saying to all of you, Ever Upward and Excelsior. I'll see you tomorrow. <laughs>